Okay, microphone on. Hello, um, Madam Secretary, please call the meeting to the order and um, call, the next, call the roll. Thank you. Vice President Ajami? Here. Commissioner Maxwell? Here. Commissioner Paulson is excused from today. Commissioner Rivera? Here. And we have a quorum? Before calling the next item, I would like to oh, announce. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead, please. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Due to the ongoing COVID-19 health emergency and given public health recommendations issued by the San Francisco Department of Public Health and the emergency orders of the governor and mayor concerning social distancing and lifting the restrictions on teleconference, this meeting is being held via teleconference and is being televised by SFGTV. For those of you watching the live stream, please be aware that there is a brief time lag between the meeting and what is being viewed on SFGTV. On behalf of the commission, I would like to extend our thanks to SFGTV staff and SFPUC IT staff for their assistance during this meeting. If you wish to make public comment on an item, dial 1-415-655-0001, meeting ID 249-2497-857-6609, pound pound. To raise your hand to speak, press star three. Please note that you must limit your comments to the topic of the agenda item being discussed, unless you are speaking under general public comment, and to remind you if you do not stay on the topic, the chair can interrupt and ask you to limit your comment to the agenda item. We ask that public comment be made in a civil and respectful manner and that you refrain from the use of profanity. Please address your remarks to the commission as a whole, not to individual commissioners or staff. And I would like to announce that um, items 8, 9B, and closed session will be removed from today's agenda. Madam Vice President. Before calling the first item, I would like to announce that the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission acknowledges that it owns and are stewards of the unceded lands located within the ethnohistoric territory of the Mwakma Ohlone tribe and other familial descendants of the historically, historic federally recognized Mission San Jose Verona Band of Alameda County. The San Francisco Public Utilities Commission also recognizes that every citizen residing within the Greater Bay Area has and continues to benefit from the use and occupation of the Moakma Ohlone tribes of original lands. Since before and after the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission's founding in 1932, it is vitally important that we, that we not, only, not only recognize the history of the tribal lands on which we reside, but also we acknowledge and honor the fact that the Moakma Ohlone people have established a working partnership with the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission and are provi pro productive and flourishing members within the many greater San Francisco Bay Area communities today. Madam Secretary, please read the, read the first item. Your first item is item number three, annual election of officers, discussion and possible action to elect a president and vice president of the commission, each to serve a one-year term, as per the San Francisco PUC rules of order number six. So um, given that we expect our fifth commissioner to be installed in the next couple of weeks, I would like to suggest that we move to continue the election of officers to the next meeting of the commission when we have the full commission in presence. Yes, can I have a motion and a second? Thank you. Madam Secretary, please roll the call. Yes, I'm sorry, the uh, Commissioner Maxwell seconded. On the motion to continue, uh, Vice President Ajami? Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. You have three ayes. 
Thank you. Madam Secretary, could we please read the next item? The next item is item number four, adopt renewed findings under state urgency legislation to allow hybrid in-person meetings during the COVID-19 emergency and direct the commission secretary to agendize a similar resolution at a commission meeting within the next 30 days. Now open public so comment. Yeah. Thank you. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number four, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do we have any members of the public present who wish to provide comment on item number four? See none, Mr. Moderators. Do we have any callers with their hands raised for item number four? Madam Secretary, we have one caller in queue. Again, caller, this is for the state urgency legislation. Caller, I've unmuted your line. Can you hear me now? Yes, call go ahead. Great, uh, David Pilpel. I have nothing on item four, but I believe you did not ask for public comment on the continuance of item three. Thanks for listening. Thank you, caller. Madam Secretary, there are no other callers. Thank you. And as far as public comment on the continuation, I was advised by our uh, a legal counsel, we do not need to call for public comment on the continuation of the item. Next item is item number five, approval of the minutes of September 13. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm oh, sorry. We need to, we need yes. to vote, yes. <laughs> Can I ask sorry. for a motion and second to approve item number four? Move to approve item number four. Second. I second. Madam Secretary, please call the roll. Vice President Jami? Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. You have three ayes. Item passes. Um, Madam Secretary, please call the next item. Next item is item five, approval of the minutes of September 13, 2022. Can we have a public comment, please? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number five, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do you have any members of the public present who wish to provide comment on the minutes? Item number five. Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised for item number five? Madam Secretary, we have one caller in the queue. Caller, I've admitted your line. You have two minutes. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Go ahead. Uh, great. I have not had a chance to review the minutes, but it appears that the minutes are from the last meeting of September 27th, and the agenda states that this is approval of the minutes of September 13th. Given that the date appears to be wrong, I would uh, encourage the commission to continue the matter to the next meeting where it can be properly uh, agendized, and I do believe that public comment should have been in order on the continuance of item three. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, there are no other callers in the queue. Thank you, public comment on item number five is closed. Any further discussions, colleagues? And do we uh, need? Given the error in the agenda, in the printed agenda item, um, we probably should um, continue the approval of the minutes for the September 27th meeting to the next commission meeting. Okay, move to continue the item. 
I second. Thank you. Uh, Madam Secretary, please call the roll. Vice President Jeremy? Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. You have three ayes to continue. Okay. Item will continue. Um, Madam Secretary, please um, call the next item. Next item is item number six, general public comment. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of general public comment on matters that are within the commission's jurisdiction and are not on today's agenda, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do you have any members of the public here present who wish to provide general public comment? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised for general public comment? Madam Secretary, we have multiple callers in the queue. First caller of the mid-year line, go ahead. You have two minutes. Good afternoon. My name is Cassil Willie. I'm a staff attorney with Safe California Salmon. Uh, I grew up in the Bay Area and I'm an alumna of USF. Uh, I'm calling in today to request that the PC reevaluate the design drought in order to increase unimpaired flows for the benefit of the Tuolumne River and Bay Delta ecosystem and for tribal and environmental justice communities. The, tri the Tuolumne River supplies over 2.7 million Bay Area residents with water from Hetch Hetchy Reservoir. However, the river is in horrible shape due to extremely low percentages of unimpaired flows. Bay Delta relies on an abundance of cool water inflows, including from the Tuolumne River, but because of water diversions, it is now getting small inflows of warm water. This leaves the watershed unlivable for many species and turns the ecosystem into a breeding ground for toxic algal blooms like the one experienced this summer. Toxic algal blooms in the Bay Delta disproportionately impact disadvantaged communities. The increase of algal blooms decreases the amount of access to waterways as a form of recreation in these communities, but also a means to cool off in hot summer months. PUC has sued the State Water Board to block the increase of unimpaired flows and the release of unimpaired flows if necessary. This lawsuit is preventing improve, improvement of water quality for the Bay and Tuolumne River. Second, salmon are a keystone species in California ecosystems and they play a vital role in the food chain, food chain supply important new ocean nutrients to upstream habitats and indicate a healthy ecosystem. Salmon are one of the species that struggle to survive in warm waters as salmon eggs are no longer viable when water temperatures are over 50 degrees Fahrenheit. A threat to salmon is an environmental justice issue as many California indigenous peoples have have and continue to rely on salmon to carry on their traditions through food and ceremony. Additionally, the commission starts meetings with acknowledging tribal land you are on, which is, I appreciate, but does not acknowledge the tribal water that it uses. Or the I'm sorry, caller, your time has expired. Next caller, you have two minutes. Go ahead, Good caller. afternoon, this is Peter Dreckmeyer. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. This is Peter Dreckmeyer, Policy Director for the Tuolumne River Trust. Uh, first of all, I'd like to welcome new Commissioner Rivera. We look forward to working with you. And I'd like to wish all of you a happy new year because the new water year started on October 1st. And the salmon will soon be spawning. We actually have canoeing with the salmon trips the first two weekends in November, paddle with the salmon. We invite you all to join us. Hopefully we'll have some salmon this year. A former Commissioner Harrington requested that environmental metrics be included in agendas. Uh, he emphasized salmon, and that was one year ago. 
And back in March, Commissioner Maxwell renewed that request. So we hope we'll be seeing those reports this year starting at the next meeting. With the new commissioners, I'm optimistic that there's an opportunity for a new direction with greater collaboration between the SFPC and the NGOs who have dedicated decades to protecting and restoring the Tuolumne and Bay Delta. It's time to make our New Year's resolutions. I hope we will all keep open minds, base decisions on science and facts, be honest and transparent, and most importantly, to adapt to the changing world. Uh, the design drought has got to evolve. It was randomly created in the 1990s by combining two of the worst droughts. At the time, demand going into 87 to 92 drought was 293 million gallons per day. Now it's less than 190. We have the water first policy. And we recently have the long-term vulnerability assessment that showed that climate change isn't gonna have a very big impact on the SFTUC in some fears. So the commission really needs to step up and agendize deliberations and votes on the design drought and demand projections. I hope the new president will do that. In 27 years since the Bay Delta plan was last updated and the 12 need. Sorry, caller, your time has expired. Next caller, I've unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Hello, caller. Can you hear me? Next caller, you have two minutes. I've unmuted your line. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Commissioners. Uh, my name is Barry Nelson with the Golden State Salmon Association, uh, and I'm calling to welcome you, uh, Commissioner Rivera, and repeat uh, what you're going to hear from other speakers that we look forward to working with you. Uh, the Golden State Salmon Association represents the California salmon fishing industry. We're working very closely with environmental groups, environmental justice groups, tribal organizations on a simple but critical problem, and that is that the Bay Delta is in terrible shape. You can see that with algae blooms, declining salmon runs, and frankly, the Tuolumne River and its salmon runs has the worst record of any river in California in the, in, the, in, in the Sierra Nevada in the last couple of decades. Flows are a major cause of that. We have real concerns about the lack of scientific support for the PUC's positions and real concerns about the equity of those positions you will hear elsewhere. We've worked closely with uh, commission staff and with other commissioners, and we look forward to working with all of you, especially you, Mr. Rivera, and um, we'll uh, be sharing more information as uh, your next new commissioner arrives. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Returning to the previous caller, you have two minutes. I'll call her, go ahead. I'm sorry, can you hear me now? Yes, we can, go ahead. Okay, maybe you can set the clock for two minutes now. John McManus, I'm the president of the Golden State Salmon Association. We represent thousands of salmon uh, fishing families all throughout the state, and I wanted to uh, welcome new commissioner, Commissioner Rivera, and just alert you to a couple things. Uh, you may be aware that San Francisco is in the envious position of basically drowning in water right now during drought. 
it's because of the great reservoirs that San Francisco has up in the uh, Sierras. Um, meanwhile, the river downstream of these reservoirs has basically been tilled. The Tuolumne River is uh, not functioning in a natural way. The salmon runs there are dead, and it's hurt our industry very badly. I'm a San Francisco native. I grew up with Fisherman's Wharf producing salmon with people with salmon fishing jobs and all the schools throughout the city, and we don't see that very much anymore. But there is something that the San Francisco PUC can do to help this. It's been touched upon by prior callers. We just need a little bit more balanced approach to how we handle our water resources so that we can keep salmon alive and other natural resources in the Tuolumne River Basin. Uh, also, I'd like to echo uh, what you heard earlier, that it would be great for San Francisco by the SFPUC to withdraw the lawsuits that it has against the state. And also, um, one of the SFPUC lawsuits is based on a anti-environmental rule that was set up during the Trump administration. So, Commissioner Rivera, it just may come as a surprise to you to see the city of San Francisco basically bringing lawsuits based on the worldview according to Donald Trump. But in fact, that is the case. I invite you to look into this and we look forward to working with you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, I've admitted your line. You have two minutes. Uh, yes, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Joe Coffey and I live in San Francisco. I too wish a happy new water year to you all. May it be a good year. Uh, we celebrated another holiday yesterday, Indigenous Peoples Day. President Biden, in his announcement proclaiming October 10th as Indigenous Peoples Day, said, we have more to do to help lift tribal communities from the shadow of our broken promises, protect their rights to vote, and to help them access other opportunities that their ancestors were long denied. Water rights is a notable example of a wrong done to indigenous people. California indigenous people have lived along uh, California's rivers from time immemorial. But when our European ancestors and others arrived, they assigned rights to that precious resources, resource among themselves and left indigenous people out. I recommend that you heed President Biden's advice with respect to indigenous people's rights to water because it is the right thing to do for the tribes involved and also because indigenous people have a much better record on living in harmony with their environment. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, I have unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Uh, I'm Dave Warner from Palo Alto. Uh, thank you for your service. It was 12 years ago in 2010 that the State Water Board put out its scientific analysis of the water flow needs of the Southern Sierra Rivers, including the Tuolumne. It was six years ago the State Water Board President, then President Felicia Marcus, asked the SFPUC, then President Anson Moran, if the SFPUC would support the Bay Delta Plan. The answer was no, and in fact, as you know, the SFP, SFPUC filed litigation against the Bay Delta Plan. During these last 12 years, there's been no action taken by the SFPUC that has resulted in an improvement in the Tuolumne salmon population. The very small numbers of salmon have continued to decline, and in fact, so far this year through October 9th, no salmon have been counted on the Tuolumne as reported by Fish Bio. While the Commission has spent a fair amount of its time on matters relating to the plight of the salmon, the Commission has not taken any action that has had a positive impact. 
If you look at the charts in my letter dated October 7th, you'll see that the trend line for the Tuolumne salmon population declines, such that the salmon should have been extirpated by now. At least through last year, luckily they've still been able to hang on. Are we really willing to let the Tuolumne salmon go extinct for waters and storage that we'll never fully utilize, and the statistical analysis say we never will? Please make it a priority to turn past deliberations into tangible actions that will benefit the Tuolumne salmon. One small step would be to have the latest Tuolumne salmon count added to each drought conditions report. I hope you find today as a new beginning and improve the plight of the Tuolumne salmon and most importantly, reduce the environmental impact of the water we take from the Sierra. Taking such water should become with great responsibility. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, I've unmuted your line. You have two minutes. The, the commissioners, I've been uh, watching intently. Are you stacking up the commission? We need commissioners who care for what the public commenters are speaking to you and you're not listening. The water stored in Hatchachi was stolen. It belongs to the indigenous people. They have the wisdom. I have said before, who will speak for the salmon? You commissioners do not have the wisdom. You need to invite the indigenous tribes, the Pews, the Miwoks, the Pomos, and listen to them. You commissioners are greedy. Greed is not going to take you anywhere. You don't even follow the Raker Act. You don't follow the Raker Act. So commissioners, keep stacking the commission with draft people. We still have some advocates that will just make you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, I've admitted your line. You have two minutes. Thank you. My name is Pamela Cotton, and I also would like to welcome Commissioner Rivera and hope this brings some new blood to the commission so they listen to the people. Take a tour yourself. The Tuolumne River is dying more and more all the time. Well, yes, we are in a drought. San Francisco is hoarding water. Your people in your city have cut way back on their water use to help the whole state. You all seem very self-centered and proud of yourself for helping other areas go dry. And your own, your own delta is, is toxic right now. And that's because the flows have not been there or been allowed. I think this committee would be better served to look to the science and quit looking to the old people who sent up the design draft that is, at best, a bad joke. Please, look into it. The salmon are suffering. 
the river is suffering, and people like myself who live close to the Tuolumne are suffering. We can't just go down and splash around in the water because there isn't much. So I would ask that you all seriously take a deep dive into the science around this and make changes. Commissioner Rivera, we hope for your help in this as the past ones have fallen on deaf ears. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, additional callers have joined the queue. We have 19 callers remaining. Next caller, I have a meeting your line. You have two minutes. Uh, my name is Nancy Arbuckle. I live on High Street in San Francisco. I want to say that we can both restore our ecosystem and have a reliable water supply. San Francisco will not run out of water. San Franciscans care deeply about the environment and water conservation is a strongly held value among the great majority of us here in the Bay Area. I believe the SFPUC has underestimated the motivation of their constituents to conserve water and in so doing has violated their trust. People conserve water expecting their actions to benefit the environment. But during 2012 to 2016, that did not happen. The environment and specifically the Tuolumne River and its ecosystem lost out. The water that we all conserved was held behind dams and had to be dumped, dumped in 2017. This pattern of hoarding water has repeated over the last three years and the SFPUC currently has more than four years worth of water in storage. Inevitably, much of that water will likely have to be dumped as well. The SFPUC needs to stop opposing measures that San Franciscans support. SFPUC policy needs to reflect the environmental values of its constituents and begin the process of restoring the San Francisco Bay Delta and the rivers that feed it. People want to conserve water but not for commercial development. San Franciscans have and will continue to eagerly conserve water for the environment. We can fill our reservoirs and protect our environment. It is time the SFPUC embraced this win-win situation. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, you have two minutes. I have unmuted your line. Hello, commissioners, and thank you for your time and attention. My name is Danny Zaki, and I'm an organizer with the San Francisco Bay Chapter Sierra Club. I'm here today to express my concerns for the commission's lack of attention to environmental justice and tribal issues. As a previous caller mentioned, yesterday was Indigenous Peoples Day, and the commission, before every meeting, made sure to acknowledge the land that they sit on, but that seems to be as far as that acknowledgement goes. Decisions from this commission have direct impact on the lives of indigenous peoples, not only in San Francisco, but far beyond as well. Issues like dwindling salmon populations, lack of access to surface waters, regular algae blooms are just a few of the issues that plague indigenous communities. And these are issues that are directly related to the abysmal unimpaired flows. I want to urge the commission to stop pouring water, and especially to stop pouring water out of fear and to look at the science and the data to make these critical decisions. I ask that you prioritize the health of our rivers, the health of our salmon as they are keystone species, and prioritize equitable water use. San Franciscans have demonstrated the desire to conserve water and to be environmentally responsible inhabitants of this land and to center equity. 
I ask that you represent our values and our efforts uh, in your decision making. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, I've unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Uh, hello, uh, my name is uh, Cedric de Lebojampier. I live on the San Francisco Peninsula and I'm an SFUC customer receiving Hetch water. Uh, thank you, commissioners, for your service to the community and for heeding the comments from your constituents. Uh, just as, uh, as an aside to the secretary, I think it would be helpful when you announce each speaker on the phone if you were to say their phone number or part of their number so it is, no, so it is more clear who is being called on. We just celebrated Indigenous Peoples Day and we started the meeting with the Native Acknowledgement. The Native people, the Indigenous people of the area cared for the land and its river and depended upon salmon for their livelihood. And yet the SSPUC, which is responsible for the river, is not caring for the river. The water flows out of our dams are too low to support the salmon populations. We are holding back water based on unrealistic water use projections and unrealistic drought predictions. Salmon populations have plummeted on the Tuolumne River. Due to unfounded fears of what might happen in the future, we are killing the salmon today and creating an environmental, financial, and social catastrophe. We had a huge algal bloom in the bay that killed millions of water creatures, and this deadly incident was made worse by insufficient water flows from the river. Um, I would ask you to please increase in-stream flows below the dams to levels which will support the salmon. And I would ask you to drop your suit against the Bay Delta plan, which is based on the Bay Delta plan is based on sound science and will help the salmon populations to recover. We need to increase uh, the use of uh, recycled water. Um, I've drank in that water. You know what it tasted like? It tasted like water. It was fine and it was healthy. By increasing our use of recycled water, we can reduce the nutrient load on the bay and increase our river water flows. We need the new and existing SFPC commissioners to take seriously your... Thank you for your comments. Time to expire. Just a moment, Madam Secretary. Next caller, I've unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Hi, my name is Michael Frost. I'm a Hetchetchee water user and I have a massive network within San Francisco of people that are politically motivated and very, very interested in addressing some of the problems that are manifesting themselves in our environment. Uh, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, but it does flow down rivers. You know, money or the market, quote, is insatiable and it doesn't align with a finite world or external costs such as water quality, healthy ecosystem, etc. One of the other callers mentioned this expensive study the state did in 2012, the Bay Delta Plan, and uh, you know, SFPUC hasn't supported that. But if we just take a look back over the last 10 years, we've had multiple dry years and water hoarding by SFPUC. We've had a few wet years, multiple, multiple algae blooms, and a catastrophic decline in not only salmon, but microorganisms as well. 
in every unit of water, you have billions of microorganisms that support the whole ecosystem. An algae bloom is what happens when those microorganisms die. We have a problem. And I went to business school, and what I learned uh, making any business decision was to understand the landscape. Don't look at puff pieces, don't look at bad forecasts, but do the homework, really understand what is happening. And when you make investments, spend the interest, never dip into the principal, don't borrow money you have to pay back, bad underwriting equals bad outcomes. Good luck, please assign value to the water in the Tuolumne River and the Bay Delta. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, 14 calls remain. Next caller, I've unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Hi, my name is Patty Regeer, and my family moved because of the Dust Bowl. They're farmers. And we moved to California. We moved to Stockton and then Fresno, and I picked grapes. And now we have still have family there, and I'm watching what's going on with the Delta and the algae, and I feel I'm doing all I can because I live in the Bay Area. I use Hetch Hetchy, and I know how hard it must be all for the commissioners to try to balance giving us enough water and making sure that we're protected as community members, but also understanding what it's doing to the environment in Stockton and Fresno and all the, the rivers. And I hope and I understand what a problem this is, but instead of thinking of it as fear, think of it as a responsibility. We have enough water reserved for years. And we don't need to be hoarding it anymore, and we need to start thinking about the people in the other areas because we are, your duty is to protect us, to make sure we have water, but also I feel as a community member, our obligation is also help the environment and people along the rivers that where we get the water from. Thank you very much, and welcome to our great commission, and I hope you, you enjoy it and learn and we all prospered by your decisions. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, I've unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Thank you. Um, I'm Heinrich Albert. Last Thursday, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service announced a proposal to list the San Francisco Bay population of the long-fin smelt as an endangered species. Note that this is not the Delta smelt, which may already be extinct. This dramatic decline, like that of essentially all of our native fish species that depend on the Bay Delta system and its tributaries like the Tuolumne, is all of our responsibility. In explaining uh, this announcement, the Fish and Wildlife Service stated, Habitat loss due to the long-term reduction and alteration of freshwater flows into the San Francisco Bay Estuary is the primary threat. It's a threat to long-fin smelt. It's a threat to delta smelt. It's to our different salmon populations. I ask you, the commission members, to change the amounts and times that we divert water from the Tuolumne instead of blocking the State Water Resource Control Board's efforts to slow this disastrous decline of our rivers and the wildlife that depends on them, take the lead and implement the Bay Delta Plan now. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. 
Next caller, I have unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Hi, thank you. Thank you all for your service. My name is Martin Gothberg, and I have a general comment about SFPUC management of the Tuolumne River. I continue to be deeply troubled by the poor ecological state of the Tuolumne River and the San Francisco Bay Delta. The Tuolumne in particular is worse off than any other Central Valley River has been mentioned. They're managed by other water districts. SFPUC needs to represent the values, the environmental values of San Francisco and Bay Area residents and drop its opposition to the Bay Delta Water Quality Control Plan. The design drought which drives SFPUC water supply decisions doesn't represent good science, yet is at the heart of the agency's poor environmental track record. For many decades, the Tuolumne has been starved of adequate in-stream flows and population of fish and wildlife have plummeted. The life of the river is clearly at risk. Scientifically informed design drought would include new information that's become available over the past few decades. Many of you have heard a lot of this information in past workshops, which, to be honest, is starting to feel like wasted time. Little evidence has been presented to support the validity of the design drought in its current form. The design drought is based largely, in my view, on worry and hand-wringing, which is a terrible way to manage the Columbia River water. When thinking about risks to the water supply, you must also think about risks to the Tuolumne River and the Bay Delta ecosystems. Remember that the risk of running out of salmon is far, far greater than the risk of running out of water and is definitely foreseeable under current management by the SFPUC. So I would ask that leadership be shown and that the design drought be signed, uh, modified to be scientifically valid and to please drop your lawsuit against the Bay Delta plan and show leadership for restoration of the Tuolumne River. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, I've unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Hi, dear commissioners. My name is Ronnie Fisher. I am a re resident of Sunnyvale and a consumer of Hetch, Hetchy Water, and I represent the Santa Clara Valley Audubon Society. Instead of using water from rivers, there is untapped potential in alternative supplies such as recycling, stormwater collection, and general efficiency in use. My condo complex constantly has accidental sprinklers with broken timers that won't turn off, sprinkler heads that erupt and flow into drains, and faucets on big pipes that are not fully off so that water constantly drizzles. I report these egregious occurrences to the city and to the Valley Water District with varying results and enforcement. Regarding recycling, only 9% of my water is recycled out of a possible 90%, which could be recycled. I know the Valley District is working on increasing that, but we could recycle more according to a report by the Pacific Institute. Also, household stormwater capture in California's urban areas could alone provide 4,700 acre feet, which could be used for non-potable uses such as rain gardens or bioswales, storage in rain barrels. Thank you. 
Thank you for your comments. Next caller, I'd you to be in your line. Uh, yes, uh, thank you very much, commissioners, for um, letting us comment. Um, welcome, Commissioner Rivera. Uh, my name is John Rose of Um I grew up fishing. Um, my grandparents took us out. We sort of bonded. It was the source of food for us. Uh, I remember seeing my first salmon uh, in 1976 when I moved to the West Coast. Um, I later became a commercial fisherman and fisheries biologist. Um, I'm really disappointed in the commission as far as other people talked about, as far as giving lip service to uh, the Clean Water Act and, uh, and also for indigenous rights. I, uh, I feel that uh, just ignored science. And as someone said before, is uh, you know, it's a commission willing to let salmon go to extinction. And after following the seven workshops, I would say definitely yes. Uh, I hope Commissioner Rivera coming on will bring some new blood, some uh, new insight. Uh, there is enough water. It's not salmon or you know, drinking water for San Francisco and all the other partners. Uh, so I urge you to uh, please uh, withdraw from the lawsuit you have against the state uh, and uh, and to please work to make this enough extreme flows for uh, San. Uh, once again, thank you and please do better this upcoming year. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, you have two minutes. I've admitted your line. Hello, I'm Christina Pappas, president of the San Francisco League of Conservation Butters. I have several points. The SFPC is not representing the environmental values of San Francisco. People believe that by conserving water, they are helping our region survive a drought. Not only would they be appalled to learn that the water that they save is simply stored in reservoirs or released from the reservoirs as full, but they could become cynical and stop bothering to conserve. The design drought is overinflated. Other counties rely on the governor's guidance and plan for six and a half years of drought. Why do you cling to an eight and a half year design drought? Even using a seven and a half year design drought would give you more cushion than other counties use and would make a big difference for river flow. We in the Bay Area and communities along the Delta have experienced algae blooms that have killed fish, wildlife, and pets. These have two causes, nutrients and wastewater discharge and inadequate water flows. On behalf of San Franciscans who care about the environment, we urge you to invest in water recycling, which can be a solution for both of these issues. These are the two most serious water issues we face. I also want to welcome the new commissioner and thank you all for your service. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, we have nine callers remaining. Next caller, I have admitted your line. You have two minutes. Good afternoon. My name is Mary Butterwick, a San Francisco resident for over 30 years. Over the past couple of years, I've attended several commission meetings, public workshops regarding in-stream flows on the Tuolumne River. 
I remain deeply concerned about the ecological state of the Tuolumne River due mainly to inadequate flow release. For example, last year's count of Chinook salmon in the Tuolumne was an alarmingly low 186. This degree of degradation is completely unacceptable and should be a huge wake-up call for the Commission. I urge the Commission to drop its lawsuit against the State Water Board Bay Delta Plan and work with the state to ensure flows in the Tuolumne are consistent with the in-stream flow standards adopted by the state in 2018. These flow measures are needed to provide spring flows high enough to get water onto adjacent floodplains, provide sufficient flows for the migration of fish upstream and downstream, and maintain downstream water temperatures low enough to support a cold water fishery. In the absence of sufficient flows, non-flow measures such as those included in the voluntary agreement do not work. The Commission's water management strategy relies on an extremely conservative 8.5-year design drought. These modify the design drought to be scientifically valid. To date, the Commission has been unresponsive to numerous requests for information from an interested and concerned public. Bay Area residents such as myself care deeply about the environment. We look to the Commission to be responsible stewards of the river by increasing flows in the Tuolumne. With the salmon count in the Tuolumne so critically low, we are running out of time to act. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, I've muted your line. You have two minutes. Eileen Boken, Coalition for San Francisco Neighborhoods, speaking on my own behalf. Welcome to the returning commissioners and welcome to the newest commissioner. New subject. Apparently, San Francisco sits on top of seven small groundwater basins, as well as the 45 square mile uh, west side basin aquifer. There appears to be no online documentation that confirms that the PUC has conducted official groundwater mapping within the city and county of San Francisco. It's my understanding that aquifers don't naturally recharge uniformly, but there are specific points where the recharge is more concentrated. It's also my understanding that uh, con concentrated recharge points should be protected as open space whenever and wherever possible. If not already conducted, I would urge the PC to use the latest groundwater mapping technology for its groundwater assessment. Also to use the latest scientific studies on how sea level rise will cause coastal groundwater levels to rise. A link has been provided to a posting on the US Geological Survey website to a study by the Pacific Coastal and Marine Science Center titled, New Model Shows Sea Level Rise Can Cause Increases in Groundwater Levels uh, Along California's Coast. Uh, this study was referred to during the recent BOS committee hearings regarding the environmental cleanup at Hunter's Point. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, you have two minutes. I've unmuted your line. I'm Cindy Charles, and I'm a lifelong resident of San Francisco and board member of the Tuolumne River Trust. Like every other household in the city, my water bill has a water drought surcharge added every month. 
Yesterday, I emailed every PUC commissioner videos of I recorded of lawns at Hetch Hetchy Water and Power Housing and Administrative Sites being watered with overhead sprinklers. One of my videos is from early intake at HHWP site in the Tuolumne River Canyon. The video shows lots of overhead sprinklers being used on a nearly 100-degree day with overspray on both driveways and roadways. The SFPUC website states that, quote, we need your help. We ask everyone to continue to use water wisely to help us make it through this drought, unquote. So I have some questions for the commissioners. One, are the HHWP employees billed for their personal water use? And if so, are those bills at the same rate SF residents are charged? And do they include the drought surcharge? Two, does HHWP actually even have water meters installed at employee housing units and administrative sites? Three, SF residents have done a great job reducing water use. We now have among the lowest per capita water use in the state. At the same time, the entity that provides the city with water has acres of lawns being kept green all summer long in housing and administrative areas. Are the commissioners even aware that there are lush green lawns at every HHWP administrative site and every employee home while city residents pay drought surcharges and work to conserve every drop? Reducing water use during this record drought is a priority for city residents, including myself. We have been remarkably successful and vigilant working to reduce water use during this continuing drought crisis. But apparently the same standards don't apply to the folks at HHWP. This is not a great look for either HHWP or the SFPUC. This is not water smart. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, I've unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Hi, my name is Margaret McNiven, and I'm actually calling on behalf of the salmon and the habitat of the Tuolumne River Valley. I just feel that you've got plenty of water up at Hetch Hetchy to release more. There's plenty of evidence that you've got eight years of water stored there. It would be really nice if you could let that water go downstream and let the salmon come back. We, they really are on their way out, and it's very important that we help save them. So I don't have much to say except please save the salmon. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Two more callers remain. Madam Secretary, next caller, please. You have two minutes. Hello, this is Mark Gonzalez. I've been attending the meetings and watched the Bay Delta Water Quality Control Plan tried to be instituted. The city of San Francisco and other agencies delayed the decision by over a year with their voluntary agreements. And then once they made their decision, they filed the lawsuit. Voluntary means they could be doing it right now. During the last high storm in last October, the flows in the upper Tuolumne were 7,000 cubic feet per second. The lower Tuolumne did not change at all. There were no pulse flows that year for the salmon, and the salmon went down to the numbers previously stated below 1,000. Time that the San Francisco allows the water to flow through the river and allow the salmon to live. Thank you. 
Thank you for your comments. Next caller, you have two minutes. Hello and good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Molly Colton. I'm speaking on behalf of Sierra Club California, the legislative and regulatory branch of the Sierra Club in California, representing more than 500,000 members and supporters statewide. Wanted to echo all the previous commenters at this meeting and welcome the new commissioner as well as future new commissioners to the board. This is a great opportunity for the SFPC to make better decisions protecting water quality, as well as ecosystem health now and moving forward. And I'm hopeful that the commission will take a science-based approach to these policy decisions. It was announced recently that SFPC and the Modesto and Turlock Irrigation Districts have re-entered into negotiations with the state over voluntary agreements for the Tuolumne River. The VAs are not a substitute to science-based flow standards such as those that would be implemented in the State Water Board's Bay Delta Water Quality Control Plan update. VAs are not effective measures to develop and or implement water quality flow standards or habitat requirements. I urge the SFPC to drop their lawsuit against the State Water Resources Control Board and allow the board to do their job to update the Bay Delta plan to protect the health of the Delta ecosystem and communities. The SFPC also needs to reevaluate the design drought, which is projecting higher demand than historical averages, as well as produce more accurate drought project projections in the long-term vulnerability assessment regarding how climate change could impact water supply. As one previous caller mentioned, the SFPC is swimming in excess water at the expense of the Tuolumne. Thank you for allowing folks to comment today, and I sincerely hope you listen to the concerns of your constituents. We are watching and we are paying attention. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, I unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Hello, caller. Caller, you have two minutes. Madam Secretary, I'm going to clear the queue. Callers, if you have not gone already, please raise your hand again. Madam Secretary, I have one caller. Go ahead, caller. You have two minutes. Thank you. My name is Bill Martin. I'm a San Francisco resident and a customer of the SFPUC. I'm also a volunteer activist with the Sierra Club. But today I'm speaking as a concerned citizen. Yesterday, as is typical of Mondays, FishBio sent out an email. FishBio is a private company which the SFPUC has hired occasionally. I recommend you sign up for their emails. Their lead article concerned their population surveys of non-native fish in the Delta, especially the three species which may prey on salmon smolts, largemouth bass, striped bass, and smallmouth bass. They also looked for Sacramento pike minnow, a native species, and they found them, especially largemouth bass. They point out that very few salmon smolts make it through the delta and the bay to the ocean. They then focus on the potential role of the above-named four species of fish. Quoting from their email, the habitat data shows that a large amount of the study area is inundated with submerged aquatic vegetation, and the few locations without this vegetation typically have low numbers of non-native predators present, end quote. 
But they never address why the non-native predators are present in these areas. But we know why. And it's the same reason for the masses of, of, of submerged aquatic vegetation, because of over-diversion of water from the rivers that feed the delta has created a habitat that is much more friendly to these fish than it is to salmon. FishBio doesn't discuss the most important research into this problem, which all states the same thing. There's not enough water flowing in the streams, including the Tuolumne. They also say, quoting, despite significant investments and habitat restoration efforts, non-native predators are thriving in the delta, while juvenile salmon still struggle, end quote. Of course, salmon still struggle. They don't have the clean, cold water running water that they need. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, another caller has joined the queue. Next caller, go ahead. You have two minutes. Hello, my name is Nina Atkins. I'm the policy manager for Surfrider Foundation San Francisco chapter, operating on unceded Ohlone land. San Francisco Bay is some of the highest levels of nutrient pollution of any estuary in the world. The San Francisco Public Utilities Commission and other Bay Area wastewater utilities don't remove these nutrients from wastewater before it's released into the bay and ocean. One of San Francisco's two water treatment plants dumped treated effluent with high levels of nitrogen and phosphorus with building blocks of algal blooms directly into the bay. As a result, San Francisco Bay is, a, is fertile territory for harmful algal blooms like the red tide we just experienced. In short, the bay remains a grave risk of future harmful algae blooms and fish kills. The solution is clear. San Francisco and other Bay Area water utilities can do a better job of removing pollutants before they discharge wastewater into the bay by committing to and investing in wastewater recycling. And a win-win for people and the environment, this approach can also help San Francisco to reduce overall water consumption so it's less reliant on its main water source, the Columbia River. Every gallon of recycled water means more water can remain in our rivers, flushing out pollutants and harmful microorganisms and supporting salmon and other fish, fish populations. And then unlike traditional wastewater management methods, recycling requires removal of all potential pollutants from the water before it's reused. The nutrients can then be disposed of responsibly. Shockingly, despite its reputation as an environmental leader, the city of San Francisco is not on board with water recycling. Unlike its Southern California peers, San Francisco currently has no plans to make recycled water widely available in the next 25 years. Instead, the city is pursuing multiple expensive and misguided lawsuits so that it can continue to rely almost exclusively on the Tuolumne River, one of the state's most overtapped rivers for the next several decades. San Francisco and large agribusinesses, water districts divert four out of every five gallons of water that flow into Tuolumne River. Sorry, Carl, your time has expired. Any other callers that have not been recognized yet, please raise your hand by pressing star three. This is for general public comment. One more caller has joined. Madam Sec Go ahead, caller, two minutes. Hello, Carla, can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead, you have two minutes. My name is Karen Harwell, and I'm the director of Exploring a Sense of Place. Uh, 
program that we've run for 30 years, um, trying to get to know the nature of the place where we live throughout the peninsula. And I'm very concerned about the ecosystem, the Bay Delta and the Tuolumne, that have spiraled towards collapse. And I feel this is a time, Florida had its time, we're having our time, and we need to actually rethink what's important and what needs attention. And this needs attention. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, the call queue is clear. Thank you, public comment. General public comment item six is closed. Your next item is item seven, communications. It's item seven, communications. Yes. Can you um, call the item? Yes, item seven yes. is communications. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, commissioners, do you have any comments or um, about the communications that was provided to us? Do we need public comment on that? Okay. No comments, so can we call um, public comment, please? Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number seven, communications, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do you have any members of the public present who wish to provide comment on item number seven, communications? See none, Mr. Moderator, do we have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, we have two callers in the queue. And callers, this is for item seven. Go ahead, caller, I'm going your line. Hello, caller. Can you hear me now? There we go. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry, am I muted or unmuted? You are unmuted. Okay, that was a bit confusing. Um, David Philpel again. Um, so uh, three items under communication on item 7D. Um, I don't know why the franchise compliance report dated August 26th about um, six weeks ago only appear today under communications in the future. I think it would be great to provide all communications at the next available commission meeting, so this could have been at the first meeting in September and instead was delayed like a month. Um, on item 7E, I appreciate the Clean Power SF quarterly update. Good comprehensive report. Um, thank you to staff on that. And on item 7F, I believe a principal at one of the listed contractors is a uh, member of the San Francisco Community College uh, District uh, Board of Trustees, City College. I don't know how that uh, affects any votes here or at the City College Board or that individual's uh, Form, 7, Form 700, but I think it is um, interesting to note um, that kind of relationship between an elected member of that board and this agency. I'll leave it at that. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, you have two minutes. Hello. Hello, caller. Go ahead. Hello. Hello, caller. Go ahead. 
Yes, my name is Karen Harwell, and I'm a director of a program called Exploring Our Sense of Place. And I'm very, very concerned about the fact that the Bay Delta and the Tuolumne ecosystem have spiraled toward collapse. And I wish that we need to actually rethink our attention and what needs attention now. Uh, Florida has had its experience. We're having our experience. Madam Secretary, the call queue is clear. Thank you. Public comment on item seven is closed. Any further discussions? Um, I just want to acknowledge that I really did also personally appreciate the um, reports that were provided in the communication. So thank you for doing that. Um, all very informative and useful. Um, Next item, please, Madam Secretary, can you please call the next item? Yes, just as a reminder, item eight has been pulled from the agenda, and for anybody who may have joined us late, item eight, nine B, and the closed session item have all been removed from today's calendar. Your next item, Madam Vice President, is item nine, report of the general manager. Thank you, Madam Secretary. Uh, item nine A is a drought condition update by Steve Ritchie. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Steve Ritchie, Assistant General Manager for Water. Uh, I'm here to give the drought conditions update. If I can have the slides, please. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so uh, actually, I'll, I'll go a little slower for Commissioner Rivera since these are our new slides, although we see these generally at every meeting. Uh, the first one is our October 3rd, uh, 2022 reservoir storage for our reservoirs. Uh, and it shows Hetch Hetchy, the largest reservoir in our primary drinking water reservoir, at about 78% of capacity, which is about normal for this time of year, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, Cherry Reservoir also is about 89%. Uh, in the upcountry area, we have something called the Water Bank, which is a storage account in Don Pedro Reservoir, which basically represents uh, a drought protection supply that I can go into in more detail at some other time. Uh, it is the one concerning thing on this slide that uh, it is about 44% of capacity. Uh, so that means that we have uh, uh, something on the order of two years of drought protection, one and a half to two years of drought protection from that reservoir or, or that storage volume uh, that's available. Uh, so that's the picture of our storage overall. Uh, in general, we're doing better in storage than other parts of the state, but we're much more reliant on storage, and so we operate that way uh, to make sure that uh, we do have enough water to survive a drought such as we're in right now. On the next slide, uh, we show uh, what is produced by uh, the Department of Water Resources relative to reservoir storage throughout the state. Um, their primary reservoirs of concern are the north part of the state, Shasta Reservoir and Oroville Reservoir. Those are the two anchor reservoirs of the big water systems for the state. Uh, they are at 33% uh, and 35%, excuse me, uh, they are about, I have to get these right now. Yeah, they're about uh, 
33% uh, and 35% of historical average. So they're quite low right now, uh, and that is what gives the state the greatest concern. Uh, off on the right side of the slide, you see Don Pedro is about 52% of normal, uh, so it is doing better than there, and that's downstream of uh, Hetch Hetchy Reservoir. Uh, Hetch Hetchy doesn't show in this because it's not one of the edge dams uh, throughout the system. Uh, but overall, the state is definitely in drought, uh, as can be seen by the California Drought Monitor, which is a, a federal government-produced uh, map of every state in the union showing drought conditions. And here you see the darker color uh, means a worse state of drought. So the San Joaquin Valley is showing the worst state of drought, uh, which exists throughout the Central Valley. Uh, and in both the Coast Range and the Sierra. Uh, so basically, all of California con continues to be in drought, uh, and we will see what the coming year brings. We generally don't predict out that far, uh, but certainly the sense is it may be another La Nina year, which could mean uh, dry conditions persisting. Um, uh, as uh, people mentioned in the public comment, uh, this we are just past the end of the water year. The water year lasts from uh, October 1st to September 30th each year. Basically, it starts to coincide with the beginning of the wet year, wet season in the next year. Uh, this shows precipitation cumulatively at uh, Hetch Hetchy. Uh, the black line in the middle is the median level of precipitation, uh, and the red line shows this year, 2022. Uh, the dashed line at the top is the wettest year we ever had, and the blue line at the bottom is the driest year we ever had. Uh, so you see that the red line is below median, uh, and it did have uh, some good times, uh, but also some dry times. But you see there's a little uptick at the very end there. We did have some rain right at the very end of the summer, which was uh, a little bit of a surprise and certainly a little bit out of the normal. Um, which is also reflected on this chart, which is basically a monthly precipitation part for the upcountry area. The red bars are the historical median by month, uh, and the blue bars are what happened to us in 2022. Uh, and you can see we had two really big months uh, and other months not so good. Uh, but then right there in September, we had almost an inch and a half of rain uh, that came upcountry. Again, that was in that uh, uh, hurricane period where there was uh, some interesting precipitation around the state. So we did get a little shot in the arm uh, going into the next water year. Uh, the same thing is true of the Bay Area precipitation, which again had two really big months uh, and others not so big. But again, we had about almost six-tenths of an inch uh, when 0 .03 is normal for September. So it's usually bone dry in September, but we did get some rain there right at the end of the year. Uh, and if you see the average annual total on this slide, uh, as an annual, is 22.8, but we actually had in the Bay Area 24.1 inches. So we actually had an above normal year overall in the Bay Area. It was just distributed in kind of an odd way. Um, this slide shows our snowpack. Uh, similar to that other slide, the black shows kind of the, the peaking of the snowpack in April, and then as it melts, uh, we get water from that. Uh, and the red line is this year. Uh, 2017 is a really big year we had, uh, and then the orange uh, down below, uh, 2015 is the lowest year. So we were uh, kind of in the middle of the pack with snowpack this year. 
so it wasn't too bad for snowpack, uh, but certainly it wasn't uh, uh, anything above average for sure. Um, we always look at two weeks of precipitation forecasts. Uh, the darker and more bright colors, you know, you know indicate uh, uh, forecasting of more precipitation and the lighter areas down to white means none. Uh, that upper box is uh, last week, Oct you know, October 3rd through October 11th, and you can see California is mostly white, and that's what really happened that month, that week. Not much happened. Uh, there are more colors in this week here, but frankly, the way it's actually physically playing out, uh, we don't expect any additional precipitation in the uh, Hetch Hetchy area uh, this coming, uh, this com this, the rest of this week. Uh, and here in the Bay Area, as we can all know, we're just getting a lot of fog, uh, which is a little helpful, but it is not, not real rain. Uh, this is the one chart that actually is of more interest at this time of year than any because this is when uh, people hopefully can be saving water. Uh, what you see here are four water years. These are weekly deliveries starting in January 1st at the left-hand side and going on through December 31st on the right-hand side. Uh, so the top one, the gray bars, uh, that is calendar year 2013, which was our last uh, pre-drought, pre-last drought, pre drought uh, demand. And you can see we had uh, deliveries up above 270 million gallons per day uh, average during those uh, summertime weeks. Um, 2015 is the orange line down at the bottom. That shows how far we cut back use last or that last drought uh, so that we had basically no outdoor irrigation in the summer. You can see that the lines kind of converge in the winter and then they spread apart in the summer because that's where we get uh, more irrigation going on. Uh, the purple line is last year, 2020, and the green line is this year, 2022. Uh, and what you see is uh, because of the drought, we called for 11% reduction among our customers overall. Uh, and what that meant was we really needed to cut back on outdoor irrigation, and people generally did pretty well. You can see there's not really a big peak in summer, not like 2013 or even 2020. Uh, so it's much closer to the 2015 line. And in fact, right here at the end of summer, it has gotten right on top of the uh, 2015 line, including the next week, which doesn't show on there, is, is right on top of the orange line again. Uh, so people have done a good job in reducing irrigation, but not by quite as much as we were hoping to get to. Uh, so we're currently starting to work on evaluation of what we can expect from our customers next year in terms of uh, overall water use and what we can do to help encourage them to be the wisest water users possible. Uh, and then lastly, uh, these are three tables. I'll concentrate on the lower table of the three, which shows that uh, from the period of July 1st through September you know, 30th, basically September 29th, uh, San Francisco customers saved about 13% uh, over uh, our base year. Uh, wholesale customers saved about 9% uh, over our base year, so that jointly that averaged to about 10.3% overall, which is really you know, a good measure. Um, but what it indicates to me is that uh, we may not be able to expect, you know, as deep a percentage uh, reduction in the future from our customers. We have to think about that as to how we message what we want people to do 
uh, in potential future drought years, which is what we always have to worry about. Is there going to be a drought year? Um, one thing uh, as well to note here, uh, it does relate to a lot of the comments that were made. Uh, you know, a lot of comments about San Francisco can provide this water for the lower Tuolumne River. One of the things in the physical system is uh, we're upstream of Don Pedro Reservoir, which is operated by the Turlock and Modesto Irrigation Districts. So any water we release actually goes into Don Pedro and is under control of the irrigation districts. Uh, so the river actually is managed in a segmented fashion basically by water rights uh, and by facilities. Uh, so that's, a, that's something that we all uh, need to keep in mind as we think about where we're going uh, in the future. Uh, but the bottom line here is uh, we've done a good job of saving this year, um, but you know we need to be prepared for uh, a dry next year uh, and figure out how best we're gonna manage that. And I'd be happy to answer any questions. Any questions? I have a question, yeah. Mr. Ritchie. Um, so it, so it, it is anticipated that next year will be another dry year, and I'm wondering in our projections of how much saving people uh, can do, have we done some forecasting or um, analysis of what are the possibilities to be like obviously there are still people who have lawns in mm -hmm. some areas. There are still so I'm wondering what is our strategy as we are moving into the next year. <clears throat> I just don't want to be caught off guard. Right. And then, yeah. Yeah, we are. We're actually uh, working to arrange uh, a, uh, a meeting with uh, Bosca. You know, the umbrella for our wholesale customers. Our wholesale customers generally use about two thirds of the overall water. San Francisco uses about one third. Um, and what we want to talk about is what exact measures can we put in place? Uh, I'm not sure that, you know, saying, gee, reduce five more percent, right. uh, something to do that, that may not be successful. But we, what we see, particularly for our wholesale customers, is there are four customers uh, that use more per capita overall. Uh, Parisma Hills, which is Los Altos Hills, uh, Cal Water, Bear Gulch, which is Woodside and Atherton, uh, the town of Hillsborough, and the city of Palo Alto all tend to have higher per capita usage than most of the rest of the customers. Most of the rest of the customers are kind of in a clump around the 60, 62 gallons per person per day range. Uh, so uh, I think what we'll want to talk with Bosca about is looking at measures that we can expect everybody to implement as opposed to actual percent reductions. We could have targets for percent reductions, but for example, we may want to look at how we can best implement system-wide um, irrigation no more than, outdoor irrigation no more than two days per week within a certain set hours, which is you know, the norm for a lot of water agencies. Uh, we can't do that, I think, unilaterally for wholesale customers, but we can probably set up a mechanism like we have a choice we can ask you to do that measure, or we can dictate a percent reduction. Uh, and we'd rather not do a percent reduction, we'd rather get the real action out of people. So that's the kind of options I think we're gonna be talking about so that we uh, hopefully can have uh, you know, a, a, a good plan by about November, about going forward, okay, if next year continues to be dry, here is what we're going to propose to do. And then on the, um 
sort of strategizing around ordinances on development and all that, is there any thought around that sort of working with some of these communities to... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm having a little bit hard time yeah, hearing you. Yeah, I think everybody is. So maybe I have to speak a little bit louder into the microphone. Um, I'm wondering on the... Uh, policy side, are mm -hmm. there any opportunities beyond just conservation around on-site reuse and sort of reuse around development, uh, sort of new development that's coming up in those areas? If um, I know last time I asked this of Miss um, uh, Sankola, and she said there are some conversations going mm -hmm. on, but I'm wondering if we need to have a more sort of um, um, strategic approach to this, mm -hmm. um, you know, since we really don't know what's going to happen in the year, in the coming yeah, years. Yeah, I, I think that's something that, that we definitely should be talking to them about, uh, and, and we will be. Again, we have the advantage in San Francisco of being a health department and uh, a county yes. on top of itself, where other yeah. things are more distributed. So it's a little bit more of a challenge. It doesn't mean it's impossible by any means. Um, but I think, yeah, we need to have more of those conversations. Those are generally easier to do in new developments, uh, and so that's, that's one of the things that we'll be looking at with them. Okay. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. uh, Ms. Thanks. If there were a, a, a bottom line, say if, if everyone reached 45 um, every day you know, the, uh, per person, mm -hmm. would, that, would, that, would that be... Would then we be drought-proof? Is there any amount that we could get to where we would be better off and not have to go up and down and up and down if we get, get people to a certain level? Say if, if we got down to 38 and we could get every, those people down to 45 or 50, would there be, would that kind of be, a, would we be able to tolerate a drought and figure out what people could use and how, how that would work? Um, it, it would be possible to, to figure that out and to come up with different numbers like that. Mm -hmm. um, the challenge would be in implementing them and then looking at what does that really get us. Yeah, uh, that's know, what I wanted to know, mm -hmm. what we could get. Because it doesn't have to get us somewhere automatically, I mean, the next day. But if people had a goal, if we knew, if we could get down, maybe devices would be different. We would start looking at things differently overall. Um, because keep thinking that we can go back to the way we used to, I think is, is going to be problematic. Yeah. I, think, I think people are clearly, they're used to not being able to go back to the way it used to. Uh, you can see there that you know, the yes. numbers have come down uh, over the years. Um, the state is definitely going this way. They are looking at reducing the per capita use, but uh, again, they're looking at reducing indoor per capita use to somewhere around 42 gallons per person per day. Well, mm -hmm. San Francisco is already there for indoor yeah. and outdoor use. Mm -hmm. uh, our wholesale customers for indoor and outdoor are typically at about 63 gallons per person per day. So they're probably already there by the state measure. So I think the question that, that you're posing is, can we do better uh, than what the state is projecting for everybody? Mm -hmm. uh, the answer is probably yes. I think there are innovative things we can do, but uh, each one of those steps, you know, yeah. takes a you know very careful thought about yeah. how to how to implement it. I, I understand, but I, I think since, you know, we all kind of came to maybe some conclusion that this is probably the norm, with wet seasons in between the drought. So, you know, there's going to have to be some rethinking. Yeah, bigger extremes either way. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to continue to happen that way. Thank you. 
sort of like a follow-up question, and I'm not necessarily sure if uh, this is in your wheelhouse. I know you are, you know the whole entire system, but I, you know, uh, I'm just going to pose it, which is I'm constantly concerned how our wastewater capacity and cost, uh, cost of treatment and all that will be impacted by um, mm -hmm. changing water use. And if, if we as a utility are prepared for it, and again, I, you know, I know you are not running the wastewater enterprise, but I think this is something we also need to seriously think about as we are dealing with uh, drier, uh, more f uh, frequent droughts and the hotter droughts and the reduction in water use overall because of the drought and also because of on-site reuse systems and all the reuse that's happening. So just something to think about. Um, ultimately, it's, it's, a, it's very much correlated mm -hmm. and related. Well, yes, they're very connected. Actually, yeah. the wastewater enterprise has been looking at that over the years. Um, and, and actually, occasionally, I think what we follow on shows find it into uh, anecdotal, like, oh, there's not enough water. We need to make sure we're you know, dealing with real numbers. Because whenever we looked at the real numbers, you see definitely a decrease in wastewater flows, which does require some different operations of our wastewater system, exactly. uh, but nothing that will break the system. Uh, no, no. I mean, if you're prepared, if you have planned for it, if you mm -hmm. know where we are going, then we, we, you know, we have strategies in place and we have plans in place. If we are not, then we can be caught. Yeah, and as, and as I, as, you know, as I see the future, I think we are. You are going to see us look more and more at potable reuse of wastewater. Yep. Uh, so we have kind of a vested interest in making sure there's enough wastewater to feed a potable right. reuse system. You know, I mean, it allows you to have a plan for it, and then there's not enough source water and going into the system to make it work. That would be a kind of a real, real bad scene. Yeah, but I would say, if there is any utility that can think strategically and sort of forward, have a forward-looking perspective on how much and how big that plan mm -hmm. needs to be would be us just because we have done so much on saving water and reducing our water use and sort of we have a very good perspective on that. So um, I think it's, it is important to kind of, yeah. as you're planning for the future, uh, have test various scenarios. Yeah. Right. The biggest issue on the wastewater side is the amount of solids doesn't change. Yes. And so that's really, you know, kind of a core issue. Absolutely. Thank you. Any other comments? Thank you, Mr. Thank you. Would you like for me to call public comment? Uh, yes, please. Thank you. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment, specifically on item 9A, please press star 3 to raise your hand to speak. Do you have any members of the public present who wish to provide comment on item 9A? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, we have three callers in the queue. First caller, go ahead. I've unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Thank you. This is Peter Dreckmeyer, Tuolumne River Trust. Uh, there's something missing from the drought conditions update, and that's the, the first slide, reservoir storage. It has always in the past had total system storage at the bottom. Uh, this time it's missing. I hope that will come back next time. But if you add up the Tuolumne storage and the local storage, you come up with 966,000 acre feet in storage. Last year, demand for the full service area was 210,000 acre feet. 
So 966 in storage, 210 was demand. That means there's enough water in storage to last more than four years. In other words, if it didn't rain at all for four straight years, we wouldn't run out of water. So do we really need to panic? Now, why don't you take a second to guess in your head what you think the unimpaired flow was in the lower Tuolumne last year. Lower Tuolumne is where the salmon spawn. The unimpaired flow last year was 9%. That means 91% of the water was either diverted or stored in reservoirs. The year before was 13%. The year before that, 15%. Between 2012 and 2016, for five years, the average unimpaired flow was 12%. 2017, it was 79%, because everything filled up. And the water districts had to release as much water as they were allowed to by the flood rules from early January into the summer. So the river was flowing at 9,000 CFS. Eight flows are 50 to 300 CFS. So that's the whole problem. You really need to look at how the river is managed. We offered an interim proposal a few years ago that SFUC could voluntarily release its share of the Bay Delta plan flows for at least two years without running out of water under the design drought. Nothing's happened. Let's do something different this water year. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, I have unmuted your line. You have two minutes. Uh, great, David Philpel again. Just a minor observation on slide 11, the drought tracker. Um, I note that both San Francisco and wholesale customers are using less water during the drought. Um, the most recent period in the bottom uh, chart shows me San Francisco uh, customers are using about 13% less in July through uh, September of this year, and wholesale customers uh, about 9%, uh, total of 10% approximately. Um, I forget what the state um, request or requirement was to uh, reduce uh, water, but given the amount of uh, heat over the last uh, three months and the need for uh, both domestic and, and some uh, landscape uh, irrigation, I think that's a pretty significant uh, reduction on an already pretty low uh, per capita uh, use. So I think we're doing okay, and uh, I think it is good, in fact, that we have uh, water um, stored in reservoirs for future use, because who knows, we could have a four or more year uh, drought um, ahead of us. We just don't know. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your comments. Next caller, I have unmuted your line. You have two minutes. The commissioners, I want you to hear very clearly what I'm saying. The indigenous people were here for over 23 years. The salmon for millions of years. So when some strangers came here 200 years ago, and did what they did, which you're talking about. The main purpose, you're not storing water for four years, for excess water, is to make money. That's greed. And you'll fall flat on your face if you, with intent, don't do something about it. Now, to do a needs assessment, we want to know 
about the glacier, one of the male glaciers, Lyle. We need to do a need assessment on the glacier. We need to do a need assessment on all the drinking pipes, big pipes that leach into the soil, millions of gallons of water. That's on you, commissioners. You never ever once tell us how many of the main pipes, the main drinking pipes have been upgraded. You don't tell us about that. Go to the Ricker Act. We do not need to waste millions of uh, clean drinking water cooling IBM and the computer, computer companies. That's your business, commissioners. Don't just listen to what Richie is saying. He's a good friend of mine. He'll, he's just doing his work. But you commissioners, policymakers must think outside the box. Don't sit there like dumbasses and do nothing. Thank you, caller. Your time has expired. Madam Secretary, one more caller has joined the queue. Next caller, go ahead. You have two minutes. Good afternoon, Commissioners. Nicole Sankula, Bosca CEO, speaking on behalf of your 26 wholesale customers and the 1.8 million residents that they serve. First, I'd like to uh, welcome Commissioner Rivera to the Commission. I look forward to meeting you in person next month and also to uh, working with you um, on these important issues as we move forward. I just wanted to uh, make a few remarks. Um, thank you, Mr. Ritchie, for the thoughtfulness of, of how he's discussing the difficulty that we find ourselves in achieving our water conservation targets. Um, I spoke with the commission at length about that at your last meeting. Um, it is a challenge and I look forward to uh, further meeting with Mr. Ritchie and both of our staff um, to really figure out how we tackle what we do next to achieve the next important sets of reductions in anticipation of another dry year. Um, I'll you know, also remind the commission that you know, your service area is broad, it is diverse, um, it represents the majority of Silicon Valley and the major economic engine that is the state of California. And so it's also important for you know, our entire region's economic health that we figure out how to resolve this water supply issue. So thank you very much. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, the call queue is clear. Thank you, public comment on item 9A is closed. Any further discussions? Item 9C is a clean power SF integrated resource plan modeling results by Cheryl Taylor. Good afternoon, Commissioners. My name is Cheryl Taylor, Operations Manager for Clean Power SF. I'm here today to provide a high-level presentation of Clean Power SF's 
2022 Integrated Resource Plan modeling results. But before starting, I would really like to take the opportunity to recognize the tremendous staff work um, by our team of analysts. There's Mallory Albright, who conducted the lion's share of the work with Elon Fuss, Kiara Herman, and Feras Abusnena. They made substantial contributions. And this was all under the wisdom and good leadership of Clean Power SF Director Mike Hyams and Power Enterprise AGM Barb Hale. So thank you for letting me do that. Um, if you recall, we were here at your June 14th and September 13th meetings to brief you on Clean Power SF's integrated resource planning process. Since that time, we've completed our analysis and posted our, our results on the integrated resource plan webpage, which you can find at cleanpowersf.org slash resource plan. Okay, let's see if I can do this. Great. Okay. Um, in the interest of time, I'll lightly touch on these next two slides, but I'll happily return to them if you have questions. As a reminder, an integrated resource plan is an energy planning process used to support achieving policy goals and meeting regulatory requirements. This planning process is directed by the California Public Utilities Commission, and we are required to submit the plan to the California PUC by November 1st. Okay, the CPUC allows electricity providers to consider conforming and alternate portfolios in their plans. With the conforming portfolios, we're required to use the CPUC's inputs and assumptions. The alternate portfolios provide us the flexibility to use local, our own inputs and assumptions. And so at your next meeting on October 25th, will request that the commission approve and adopt a conforming portfolio as Clean Power SF's preferred portfolio as required by the CPUC. However, we will use both the preferred portfolio and alternative portfolios to inform Clean Power SF's power supply procurement needs. So on to the portfolio scenarios. Um, Clean Power SF's energy resource portfolios include four scenarios, two each that are conforming and alternative. The first two are conforming, the last two alternative. So two, our, our base case, that one meets the city's 2025 renewable energy goal, and a time coincident case that emphasizes matching renewable energy produced with customer electricity usage in 95% of all hours by 2030. Um, I will say that staff released a hybrid modeling result for a modified time coincident case that examined a 90% time coincident scenario, and we'll get to that in a moment. The next two, the alternatives, um, one is the mayor's electric vehicle and building electrification targets met case that supplies the estimated increase in load through 2040, resulting from San Francisco's emission-free trips and building decarbonization targets. And lastly, a local resource procurement case that supplies 50% or half of Clean Power SF's load with local resources also by 2030. So um, on local investment, we know that this is a really important goal um, for the community as, as it is for us um, in Clean Power SF. So our project team required all portfolios include over 285 megawatts of local resource capacity, and that includes 50 megawatts of geothermal, 
almost 86 megawatts of solar, and 150 megawatts of local battery storage. And this local investment represents about 600 to 700 million dollars um, commitment to local projects. Okay, so on to the results. Um, so there's a lot going on on this slide um, here, but it's a really critical slide. Um, these these pie charts illustrate the total resource capacity in 2035 for each conforming portfolio developed to supply 100% renewable energy by 2025. So on top you see the base case, and that includes 2,296, almost 2,300 megawatts of total resource capacity in 2035 while the 95% time coincident portfolio, and that's the big one on the lower left, calls for 3,246 megawatts of total capacity by 2035, and that's about 41% more than the base case. The time coincident portfolio, and that's the medium-sized one, um, provides a mid-case example and includes 2,476 megawatts of total resource capacity, which I think is about 10% above the base case. And that includes the most energy storage and geothermal capacity of the three portfolios. So you'll see um, under on each of these um, pie charts, new resource capacity added for each portfolio. And that's above each pie chart. Um, and as you can see, that sort of middle um, case, the 90% time coincident case, provides a happy medium calling for an 922 megawatts of new resource capacity by 2035. Going to the energy supply by resource type, these portfolios have similar and diverse energy mixes. The 95% time coincident case includes the most wind, both on and offshore, while the 90% coincident case includes the most geothermal um, generation in 2035. Okay, on to costs. This slide shows the portfolio costs over the planning horizon, which is 2023 to 2035. The base case portfolio costs are the lowest cost of the conforming portfolios, while the 95% time coincident portfolio is the costliest. The 90% time coincident portfolio in the middle is only 4% higher than the base case, but it is, uh, while the 95% time time coincident portfolio is 30% higher than the base case. Okay, so now we're moving on to the alternate portfolios. Um, as I said, we are permitted to use our own inputs and assumptions in these. So in the mayor's electric vehicle and building decarbonization targets met case, staff estimated the total increase in energy usage resulting from the increase in passenger vehicle trips and building electrification, and you can see that in this graph. Over the planning horizon, again, 2023 to 2035, if these decarbonization targets are met, the estimated increase in annual energy usage is estimated to exceed the CPUC assigned forecast by about 30% annually. To meet this higher forecasted electricity demand, um, 1,682 megawatts of new resource capacity is required for the mayor's electric vehicle and building decarbonization targets case met, or targets met case by 2035. And you can see the capacity amount for each, each resource type. It's provided at the very bottom of the graph. So we're gonna 
next go to the local procurement portfolio. And um, just for definitions, we define um, local resources um, as generation and capacity that is cited within one of the nine Bay Area counties. The local resource pro portfolio calls for almost 1,000 megawatts of new local resource capacity to meet 50% of, of clean power SEF's demand with local resources by 2030. This slide illustrates that the proportion of local resource energy supply begins to increase starting in 2026 and provides enough local solar, local wind, and local geothermal to meet 50% of forecasted energy demand in 2030. Okay, we're wrapping up soon. Um, this slide um, is, shows the cost premium for local resource procurement and it's reflected in this total portfolio cost snapshot illustrating the annual revenue requirement necessary to serve customers with local resources in the planning horizon. And it's estimated at roughly 50% higher than Clean Power SS forecasted supply costs by 2032. Okay, so um, I have one more slide and that is it. But before, this is my next step slide and if you'll give me one more minute, I know I'm I'm nearly over, or I've gone Go over. Ahead, um, I would like to point you and members of the public to our website at cleanpowersf.org slash resource plan where we present more extensive analysis, including our staff recommendation in a lot more depth. Um, so I will give you a preview. After evaluating all model results, staff determined that the 90% time coincident case best balances Clean Power SF program goals while setting the program on the path towards a time coincident portfolio without a lot of overbuilding. So of all the portfolios modeled, the time coincident case best balances our program goals of affordability, reliability, cleaner energy supply, local investment, and financial and rate stability. So the deck that we posted on our integrated resource plan webpage lays out this evaluation. And again, as I said earlier, we will summarize our findings at the next commission meeting on October 25th. But in the meantime, we encourage you to visit our website at cleanpowersf.org slash resource plan. So as far as next steps, I wanna just remind you and members of the public that we are collecting written feedback on our plan through this Friday at 5 p.m. And we'll return to you with our final presentation on October 25th to seek both approval um, and adoption of a preferred, por preferred conforming portfolio. And after your approval, we'll submit the plan with our preferred, preferred portfolio to the PUC, California PUC, by November 1st. So that concludes my presentation and happy to answer your questions. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Taylor. Uh, Commissioner Maxwell. Yes. Thank you, and I would prefer if you don't rush, because this is extremely important, and so we will give you some special time. I, I think my commissioners would probably agree with that. I think it's important enough that um, we have an understanding. Could you explain to me what time coincidence means? That's a really good question. Um, so time coincident is that for every hour of of electricity that customers use, we would supply the um, uh, an amount of renewable energy during that hour in real time, right? So um, in the 95% case, that means that for 95% of the hours in the entire year and uh, whatever they're like 8,760 hours, I believe, in a, in a regular year, we would we would provide renewable clean energy for 95% of those hours on a real-time basis. Well, could you write that out 
and, and put in the so so we have an idea because you know it's important. I know what you said, but do I understand what you just said? That's another thing. So if you could write that out, I, I would certainly appreciate it because I, I do read this stuff, so it would be really helpful to have it. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for your presentation as well. On the same topic, I had the same question, actually. Um, but um, So does that mean that 5% of that is not generated real time? So when you say 95% of that is generated real, real time, um, can you explain what, like, so that, does that mean that we do the whole balancing act? I believe that's right, that we would do for that 5% of the time in the 95% time coincident um, case, that 5% would not be supplied real time. It would be sort of balanced. Um, know if Mike wants to say a word or two on that. Um, I will say, though, the 90, just to underscore, the 90% time coincident um, proved to be sort of on balance a better portfolio because with the 95% portfolio, we were needing to overbuild, right? Because uh, San Francisco is, we all know it's special, but it's special in the way that we have... Um, um, we have sort of our peak demand in the winter time versus like a Fresno or something like that. And so we would be, we, we would need to sort of like provide energy for that point, like, you know, right, sort of like right, procure right. for that point and then end up probably selling a lot of energy when we don't, you know, have the same level of demand. Right. But, okay. So basically meaning that you want to make sure we can, source it from other places when we can and not overbuild in order to make sure we have a balanced portfolio, but at the same time, we, are not, we don't have a very, uh, so a lot of high capacity that's not being used, right? Sort of. I'm going to see if Mike wants to. Thanks, Cheryl. Um, Michael Himes, I'm the deputy AGM for power responsible for Clean Power SF. Um, and I, I just want to reinforce everything Cheryl just said. The elaboration she provided is spot on. Um, one clarification I wanted to make is those percentages, the way that we analyzed it, those represent floors. So as we looked out and forecasted our demand and, we, and uh, our model assessed what types of energy supplies we could bring mm -hmm. together in a portfolio to meet that forecasted demand, we said uh, we want a portfolio that will go no, uh, won't ever go below 90% mm -hmm. of demand in any hour or 95% of demand. So that means that we have plenty of hours where we're supplying 100%. Um, and in fact, one of the challenges that we realize, and this is one of the great parts of this exercise, is um, we have to build a portfolio that in some hours will be 200 or more percent of our demand. Mm -hmm. And that's what can really drive up cost and risk. So that is the thing that we are um, working through. And um, the recommendation that, that Cheryl articulated that from the staff so far is, is towards the 90% because we think that's a real positive step in the direction of having a balanced portfolio, um, but doesn't do it in a manner that may um, create a lot of risk for our rate pairs. And then how, um, sorry, go ahead, please. You have a question. So, you said in the winter. So, is the winter about um, weather? 
whether it gets colder. What, why is the winter? We don't have air conditioning, so is it? We heat? don't have air conditioning, but it, it does get cold here. And I, I don't actually have the latest numbers at, at hand, mm -hmm. um, you know, in terms of the folks here who are like electric heat only versus like um, gas electric. But, you know, people crank up their heat, um, you know, maybe use more light because of the shorter days, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, uh, very little to no, um, what is it? Um, AC. AC usage. Yeah. So that's why the winter we have, we go up mm -hmm. because of the cool and the light. Hmm. And then how, how um, accurate our um, demand um, predictions are on the energy side. I know they're a little bit easier to manage, but they also have this behavioral piece to it that um, often can be tricky to um, estimate and project. So what, like how, how well are we doing on that end? Well, I'd say locally in Clean Power SF, um, we are doing very well on sort of accurately projecting our demand. Um, I think one of the challenges maybe quite frankly with this process is that um, be, this is a, a process, as I've said, driven by the CPUC um, for their sort of jurisdictional entities, right? Sure. And so they've given us a demand that, you know, by the time we got it was, was stale and out of date. Um, and you know, there's sort of not much we could do um, to sort of, um, in the conforming portfolios, you know, to sort of like, um, kind of get those to be closer to ours. So we definitely use our demand numbers for the alternate portfolios. And then, you know, after plan submission, we'll, we'll use both the conforming portfolio, the one that we choose, mm -hmm. as well as the alternate ones to really guide our procurement. Okay. Um, so we'll, you know, we're kind of benefiting from all portfolios, but knowing that the data that was given to us by the CPUC is kind of stale okay. already, yeah. And um, one, one last question I have for you on the, um, sorry, let me, let me go down to the slides. Um, on the uh, different, the portfolios you presented, mm -hmm. I was wondering like what percentage of those is already in the process of being built? What, how, how much, uh, which one of those require connection to the grid, which one of them already have a connection to the mm -hmm. grid, if you just need to, to increase production? That is a really good question. Can, if I can answer it in two parts. Sure. Um, so this is sort of a, a kind of a general answer. You didn't really ask this question, but um, after we complete, after all of us sort of um, jurisdictional entities of the CPUC complete our um, IRPs, we send it up to the state and they aggregate all of our reports and then provide the data to the California independent system operator, oh. um, you know, to sort of, um, sort of support their transmission planning. So oh. that's sort of a, a I think a, a general answer, but in terms of like for us, all of the projects, you know, sort of where they are, it, that was your question and sort of this yes. state of connection. Gosh, that's a, it's a good question. I don't know if we have that offhand. I don't know if Mike knows. Ashisha, can I ask you another question on, oh, sure. before you move on to, the, to answering yeah. that? Okay, so 
this data goes to CalEyes, so they work on their procurement. Does that mean that when we say we need this much and these are the local opportunities we have, we might not get those electrons? The electrons might be coming from somewhere else, but this is what our portfolio accounts for? So when we, so yes, when we aggregate the, all, we don't aggregate, the CPUC sure. aggregates and sends it to the CAISO for their transmission planning. I don't believe they procure any energy, um, but they definitely want to make sure there's enough um, connections right. for all of the energy that each of the um, jurisdictional entities need, you know, to support the load. Um, sorry, what was No, so that, that was what I was wondering. So basically, yeah. we are supposed to procure local resources, local um, uh, electrons, but the reality is CalISO will be the central place that they are distributed? So the, the way um, I've sort of heard it described is that we, so we procure from all over California, um, actually, and really sort of including the West Coast, the Pacific Northwest as well. So all of the electrons are sort of dumped into like a bathtub. This is how I've heard it described right. before. Um, and so, you know, an electron that we procure may not necessarily turn on your light. Right. But it, sort of, it okay. um, sort of supports the overall load right. um, that is balanced by the CAISO. But so basically, they're working with each region or each utility to come up with alternative energy supplies, but at the end of the day, our general, our regional production would would feed the entire grid. Right, okay. the entire uh, balancing authority, balancing which is authority, most, yes. CAISO covers most of California. Yeah, yeah they do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Thank okay. you. That's what I was wondering. Okay. Thank you. I have no other question to you. Any yeah, I, oh, yeah, go ahead, please. Yes. Um, I just have a quick question. Yeah. Great presentation, Cheryl, by the way. Excellent. Okay. Oh, thanks um, to the staff. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Thank you, staff. Yeah. Great. Um, one of the uh, slides showed the uh, nine Bay Area counties and uh, mm -hmm. um, a potential increase for uh, additional power sources. I noticed that in the, um, I believe it was Sonoma-Napa region, there was a, a geothermal power source. Can you just explain what that is? Is that something that will go online, is online, will increase? I, I'd just like to know, please. So that's um, the geysers, and I, um, I don't know if, if it's Calpine that owns all of it, but the geysers is a pretty um, big um, source of geothermal energy for us as well as some of the other... Um, load sovereign entities, like I know um, the, what is it, the Northern California, there's a sort of consortium of publicly owned utilities that take power from the geysers to, oh, NCPA. NCPA. Not quite and, sure. and then what would the plan be to increase their output? It would be just be more efficient, a more efficient way to capture the energy, or it would it be bringing more of these geysers uh, online? Well, I think it would be a little bit of both, and all the geysers would, I'm sorry, all of the geothermal um, 
you know, the geysers is a really important source for us and maybe some other load-serving entities. There's also other geothermal. Um, in fact, we just, um, I think, uh, contracted for a couple of um, geothermal from a couple of resources, one of which may be in Southern California and another might be in Nevada or Utah. Um, and we um, are procuring that through a consortium of um, community choice aggregators um, like ourselves. Do you want to say anything more about geothermal? Yeah, uh, hi, Mike Himes again. Um, I think the geothermal resource in, in Sonoma County, there is some potential to develop new resource. There's also some potential to uh, improve efficiency. So mm -hmm. I, just to reinforce that point, um, the majority of it is considered built out, but um, this does tie to the transmission question that, that um, Commissioner Ajami had. Uh, the, that region does need more transmission in order to, to bring that power into demand areas. Uh, so that's something that probably will come out of this whole exercise. Um, and, and one thing I wanted to emphasize is uh, we're presenting this as a compliance document to the California PUC, and it's responsible for the buyers and sellers of power that are under its jurisdiction, which is not, of course, the whole state, right? It's, it's the um, distribution utilities that are investor-owned, that are under its regulation, and Clean Power SF supplies the generation for those customers in San Francisco. Um, so it's aggregating all of the plans for all of those entities and submitting that to the CAISO as just one element of what the CAISO is responsible for. So it gives you a sense of how complicated this planning process is. It's, there are a lot of players involved. Um, and sort of the, um, the heart of this exercise for us is to make sure that San Francisco is contributing its share to the electric supply within the state. And we, we can do that by sourcing within the California ISO, within San Francisco, within the Bay Area. And so we're looking at all these geographic areas, and we're also trying to connect the economic cost of doing that, right, and, and understanding the, the ultimate ratepayer impact. Um, so maybe that gives you a little bit more sense, too, of the complexity of, of this bigger project. So this goes back to the conversation we had at the last meeting, sort of, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's right. Any other comments? Thank you so much. That was wonderful. Thank you. Okay, can we, Madam Secretary, can we um, call public comment? Thank you. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public, remote public comment on item 9C, please press star three to raise your hand to speak. Do you have any members of the public present to provide comment on item 9C? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do you have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, we have one caller in the queue. Caller, go ahead. You have two minutes. Can you hear me now? Yes, go ahead. Great. Uh, David Philpel again. Um, so I understand that item 9B was pulled. I can follow up with Sarah Minnick with uh, comments on that, and I will follow up with uh, Cheryl Taylor on this item uh, 9C. I understood most of the presentation. I had a couple of comments and questions uh, about some issues, and apparently the PUC-CAC Power Subcommittee was supposed to meet 
tonight to discuss this as a significant agenda item, but that meeting apparently has been canceled due to lack of a quorum. So that's unfortunate and untimely given the uh, schedule that this is on for submission to the state PUC. But uh, good work by staff, um, both uh, Cheryl and her uh, uh, team and uh, Michael Himes and um, others. So yay, uh, staff work. Thanks very much. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, the call queue is clear. Madam Secretary, that concludes my report. Thank you. Public comments closed. Okay. Um, can you please call the next item? The next item is item number 10, new commission business. Commissioner, is any new? Uh, can we have public comment, please, on that? Uh, we don't, since there was no... We don't no, need to. We okay. don't need to So, uh, can you please call the next item, Madam Secretary? Yes, your next item is item number 11, your consent calendar. So, Commissioners, um, any items that... Um, I think you only have one item at this point, two items at this point. Any items you would... Uh, like to uh, remove from the consent calendar? Nope. You can then, um, can we have a public comment on that, please? Thank you. Members of the public who wish to make two minutes of remote public comment on item number 11, the consent calendar, please press stars for you to raise your hand to speak. Do we have any members of the public present to provide comment on the consent calendar? Seeing none, Mr. Moderator, do we have any callers with their hands raised? Madam Secretary, we have one caller in the queue. Caller, go ahead. I've unmuted your line. Great. Uh, David Philfell, I think the last time today. Um, so I have uh, no objection to uh, these items, but I just had a general comment um, on both items. On page one of the cover sheet, the uh, box labeled uh, background, um, for 11A, it has a little language in there on the existing uh, mains were installed between 1922 and 1960 due to their material age and material and age, they need to be replaced. Okay, that's nice and helpful. On 11B, it simply says uh, the wastewater enterprise inspected the existing sewers and uh, determined that they should be replaced. Um, in both cases, and frankly, in all cases of construction, um, awards, I think it's helpful to have a little more background on the, like 11A has the age and, and materials, kind of the basis, the reason for the particular uh, replacement uh, project. But, you know, it, it's just a few words, maybe another paragraph, um, but having a, a little more language in there, I think, bolsters um, commission and public understanding of the need for these uh, types of uh, projects. Not that they're not needed, they're absolutely needed, but I think documenting uh, that need and uh, in the calendar item on page one in the background box is the right thing to do, and um, I'm just asking staff to include a little more verbiage uh, going forward on things like this. That's all. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for your comments. Madam Secretary, the call queue is clear. Thank you. Public comment on item 11 is closed. Excellent. Um, can I ask for a motion and a second to approve? Move. 
Second. Madam Secretary, please take your roll. Call. Vice President Jeremy? Yes. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Rivera? Aye. You have three ayes. Item passes. Can we have the next item, please? Uh, Madam President, uh, closed session was pulled from today's calendar, so that concludes your agenda for today. Great. Thank you so much. And then we adjourn.